We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back, my friends. Hour number two of KMOX is at your service here on a Wednesday night. Uh, kind of a dreary Wednesday night here in the uh, St. Louis area in the heart of mid-America. 9.06 is your time. And uh, we're going all the way till 10 o'clock tonight. Greg Damon sitting in for you tonight here on KMOX is at your service. And we're talking about all sorts of different stuff. But coming up here next week over at Worldwide Technology Raceway, NASCAR in the house right here in our backyard. And we've asked uh, Chris Blair. He is the executive vice president and general manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway. And he joins us here on the program. Chris, how are you? You got to be excited. I'm doing great. Oh, yeah, we're excited. Uh, you know, it's uh, been 10 years in the making for us, uh, you know, since Curtis Francois got the track. And, uh, you know, nine years for me since I moved here and, and got involved with this. And, you know, nine months since we made the announcement. And it's hard to believe. It's like time has really flown by. And uh, to know that we're now just over a week away from uh, really getting uh, rolling up our sleeves and getting into this thing, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. I tell you what, uh, very exciting uh, for all of us race fans for sure. But just for the uh, just for the St. Louis area, the economic impact it is fantastic for everybody all in. Yeah, you know it's around a sixty million dollar economic impact of just having the NASCAR Cup race, what it brings to an economy, and uh, you know you take a look at everything that we have going on with all the activities starting out on Tuesday with the the Cardinals uh, racing themed game. Uh, you know, we're doing a, a special beer release over at the uh, the brew house. Uh, then, you know, we roll into uh, uh, what we're doing there at uh, uh, the, the Ballpark Village with Fan Fest on Thursday. We're doing a dirt race over at Tri-City on Friday night. The Richard Petty Appreciation Day on Friday at the track when we have our first ever NASCAR Cup practice. And then Saturday, you know, truck series followed by m- uh, music acts with uh, Tim Duggar and Cameron Marlowe, or excuse me, Tim Duggar and Nellie on Saturday night. And then Sunday, the big race and all the music that we have going on uh, in conjunction with it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And a lot of people are coming from all over, you know, 49 States, uh, five countries just outside of North America, four Canadian provinces. Um, you know, it's, it's a major turnout and uh, really the, the draw the, that NASCAR has and for people to travel this far because they want to be a part of such a historic event. It, it, you know, it's really, really good for all of us, and it gives us this opportunity to really showcase the town and the region to so many people. No, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I know you've talked to some drivers. How do they feel about that? Because some of the drivers haven't really uh, been here before or practiced here before. Difficult track. It's a, definitely a driver's track. All four corners different. What are they saying about the race? Are they excited? They're, they're kind of nervous about it? Yeah, well, the, the thing about it is it's a brand-new race. Uh 
brand new race car. Uh, really, only oh, yeah. the, the only time we've had anything anything even close on this track was we did a wheel force test uh, just a couple weeks ago, where each manufacturer brings out a car that's primarily there to uh, gather data that they can share with the teams on how to uh, set up and prepare for the race. And in talking with Justin Algar and uh, John Hunter Nibachek, who had raced at the track. Uh, they think it's going to be a fantastic race. They said getting off a of turn four is going to be really uh, interesting. They said that's going to be the key to winning. Uh, you know, we actually had Kyle Bush's team, um, truck team here the other day doing a t- uh, practice. And in talking with Marty Lindley and some of the guys on that crew, they were saying that, you know, the, the key here is, and the great thing about the St. Louis track is it prepares you for so many other racetracks. There's similarities to Phoenix. There's similarities to Martinsville. Uh, there's similarities to Loudoun, New Hampshire. Uh, you know, each corner with our track is different and kind of represents another race, another track on the circuit. Right. They said that going into this race, you're going to have to kind of pull apart data from so many other races to, to really establish a baseline when it comes to the Cup Series. So that's going to really make it uh, interesting. And it, one of the things you're going to see is these kids, these younger drivers who just come up through the Truck Series, they're going to have a real advantage over the Cup guys, uh, who, the older guys. So I think you're probably going to see a pretty strong uh, youth performance uh, in winning this race. You stole my next question, Chris. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> but, no, you're exactly yeah. right. You know, and, and as I've said all along, obviously, driver's track, I, I think it's fantastic. When, when you know, they go into turn one and into turn two, I mean, they are going to have to be bunching up and really pay attention so they're not bouncing off each other. Yeah, and that's the great thing about it. It looks like there's going to be a couple of downshifts going into one and two and uh, even a, sh- a little bit of a shift pattern change there going into uh, three and four. So, you know, that's not what you typically see on uh, some of these other oval tracks that are cookie cutters. You don't really see a lot of that taking place. And, you know, the great thing about the track here with us, uh, when you take a look at the list of winners that we have just since 2014, uh, you know, whether Christopher Bell, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, uh, there's so many racers who now had moved up and made their way into the top tiers of the sport uh, that have had success on this racetrack. Um, I think you're going to see one of those guys really have a distinct advantage. You know, right now, uh, when you see what's happening with Ross Chastain and that uh, track house team that he's with, you know, he's probably one of the most consistent drivers of the year with two wins and all those top five finishes. I think he's going to come in here really excited because he's been one of the most recent winners and really has a shot to do something big here. Yeah, absolutely. That track house team, uh, boy, I'll tell you, uh, for me, just kind of, I don't want to say came out of obscurity, but I mean, I didn't think they'd be this good this quick. Well, that's one of the great things about that new car. Uh, the new car really leveled the playing field between the big teams and the small teams. And, you know, Justin Marks, who has uh, St. Louis ties and uh, put this team together, uh, you know, they're really, they they came on quick. It really surprised me. I, I was at the, the race in Vegas back in March when Ross finished, I believe, second or third. And I was like, wow, you know, this is, this is pretty impressive. And then to watch them, the streak that they went on for four or five weeks there with just wins and top three finishes, uh, that shows you that uh, you know, there's some opportunities here with the new car and, you know, again, level playing field. Um, it takes a lot of the, the big money elements out of the, uh, the research and development of the car because it's so uh, tightly regulated. And it's great seeing all these teams. Uh, you know, I was listening to one uh, team talk the other day, and they said, the difference between being really fast and completely out to lunch is just one little adjustment. They said you can just barely miss it, and you're going to be out to lunch. Wow. Uh, so that's one of the great things about it, and that's for this track of ours. Uh, you know, everybody's going to be going through notes from uh, past uh, Xfinity races or 
past uh, uh, truck races here to try to build that baseline. And I think you're going to see it's going to be, you know, uh, smart uh, crew chiefs and uh, really good drivers that are going to really excel when it comes to this race. Yeah, I, I think you're correct on that. You know, uh, as I've always said, the truck truck series is one of my favorite series because to me it's old school racing. There's a bunch of beating and banging and you know going uh, going head to head and just just up and comers and they and they really to me they really kind of everybody's up on the wheel and uh, really want to push the limits of it. Uh, I really like the truck racing. I really like the truck racing at uh, Worldwide Technology. Uh, though I've seen some fantastic, <laughs> fantastic finishes over there on the truck races as well. I'm looking forward to that on Saturday. Yeah, and, you know that's the thing about it. That's, we, Curtis and I were talking about it the other day. When we start looking over that list of who has uh, raced on our track in the uh, the truck series and is now going on to do so many great things. It just kind of shows you that the champions are really, they have to make their way through Worldwide Technology Raceway in order to get to cup level. Uh, well, now, you know, the cup level, the cup series is coming here, and it's going to give those guys a great opportunity to show what they've done. And you go back and you look at some of those finishes the last few years, and uh, the, the number of times where a guy thinks he has a race won and he's, you know, two, three laps away and just something bites him, uh, you know, the snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. There's been a couple <laughs> of those guys that we've seen that happen. Uh, you know, and it's it's always a good race. I've, you know, there's never been a truck race at our place uh, that has been boring. I mean, Sheldon Creed probably is, you know, he's won a couple here recently, uh, that he's probably the only guy who's made a couple of the races even, you know, less than uh, nail biters. But, you know, you look at some of the other performances and things that have taken place and the, you know, the long straightaways really gives a guy a chance to get a run and get in there and, and be technical and, you know, you, you get all those elements. You get the, the closeness of a short track like a Martinsville, and then you get the high speeds of those straightaways. Uh, it, it really makes some great racing. And the truck guys, they like you said, they have to get up on the wheel. They have to drive hard. And really, that show is just fantastic. Absolutely. I, I can't agree more with that. Uh, i got to take a quick break, Chris. Can you hang with me a few more minutes? got some other stuff I want to talk oh, to you yeah. about. All right, fantastic, sure folks. Thing. We are talking with Chris Blair. He's the executive vice president and general manager over at Worldwide Excuse me, Worldwide Technology Raceway. Big NASCAR race coming up next weekend. We're going to take a quick break. More conversation with Chris. Stick around. Welcome back, everyone. KMOX is at your service going all the way till 10 o'clock tonight. We are talking with our good friend Chris Blair. He is Executive Vice President and General, uh, General Manager over at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Again, Chris, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the program this evening. Oh, anytime, anytime. So, uh, as we talked about, big excitement coming up for the uh, NASCAR race next weekend. Uh, I'm sure you guys are going to be extremely busy this week. want to talk about a few things that uh, I think are, are, are just great opportunities. I want to talk about Richard Petty Day uh, on Saturday at there. Yeah, you know, that's something that it just kind of came about for us. When we originally signed on to have the race, uh, in all of our original planning, there we were looking at primarily being a Saturday Sunday show, and uh, you know we were getting kind of far into the planning stages, and then with this new car, NASCAR decided that they needed to do something for Friday, and with the way the schedule played out, uh, we saw a great opportunity with Friday practice, truck series practice, and truck qualifying, and uh, you know we were looking at unique ways that we could come up with a promotion. You know, Curtis and I have been bouncing all kinds of ideas off of one another, and. Uh, we were actually at a function here in town. Um, it was late February, and Richard Petty was uh, in attendance. And you know, just in talking with Richard, you know, he's you know, this is the guy who was my hero as a kid growing sure, up. Sure, absolutely. And, uh, 
you know, and, and I think one of the reasons I love NASCAR and I love stock car racing is just because of Richard and, and watching him through the years. And, you know, we were just having a conversation and he was talking about how this is the first time that, um, you know, NASCAR has really brought the sport to the St. Louis area and the St. Louis fans. And he said he has met through the years so many fans from this area who had to travel other places to see races. He's, he's watched what had to happen, you know, with uh, Ken Schrader and Kenny Wallace and Rusty and Mike Wallace as they had to leave here to go travel. And, you know, the hometown uh, crowd, they never really got to see their heroes race on this track. And, you know, it, it was really to hear that from Richard's perspective and talk about all the fans he had through the years that were from this area. And, you know, we were looking at it, and, and what better way to really you know, celebrate NASCAR coming here than to have the greatest driver of all time, the guy who really put the sport on the map, you know, and then to have him be part of what we're doing. And just so happens that uh, David Stewart from Worldwide Technology, uh, he has a replica of uh, Richard's 1981 Daytona 500 winning car. And, uh, you know, we were talking, kicking around some ideas of letting Richard do a ceremonial pace lap and to be the first car, you know, the first cup car on the track. And then, you know, just kind of the way it all fell together, uh, Bomarito Automotive Group put together a sponsorship package, that, which I think they announced it today, that Eric Jones is going to be driving uh, the Bomarito Automotive car, uh, number 43, uh, with Richard Petty Motorsports in our race. And, you know, it, it just all kind of came together. So we got together with Bomarito and Chuck Wallace over there with that group and, we came up with this promotion to really honor Richard and, you know, a lot of our supporters and, you know, Curtis started going to work. He's got some proclamations that are going to be coming our way uh, to honor Richard. There's some going to be some uh, high level VIPs coming into town to, to just thank Richard Petty, number one, for his help that and everything he's done to help and promote racing. But then again, you know, also to thank Richard for the many trips he's made here to St. Louis through the years. Uh, just to do the different things he's done with worldwide technology and for our racetrack and to talk to the business leaders. Uh, you know, if there was ever a guy who deserved to be honored, it's Richard. And for some of us who, you know, it's been 30 years since Richard ran a race. His last race was in 1992. Uh, for us to see him one more time going around a racetrack uh, and the, for the fans in St. Louis who never got to see Richard Petty race here, uh, it's, it's just one of those things that really just signifies just how special it is that NASCAR is finally coming back to St. Louis or coming to St. Louis for the first time. What what a great event. What a great event. I mean, I, I'm, I am all in on this. I got to tell you, uh, Chris, just a real sidebar story. I was in, uh, I was in Dallas at Dallas, uh, at, uh, Texas motor speedway. And, uh, you know, as, as a media person, you, you're, you're restricted from asking for autographs or pictures or anything like that, obviously, because you have full access. I've never, ever done that except when I seen Richard Petty, <laughs> I got, I interviewed him <laughs> at the same time and I asked him, I said, Hey, can I grab a quick picture and an autograph? And he was, he was one of the most gracious gentlemen I ever did. And I'll probably never get NASCAR credential again because telling that story, but, uh, <laughs> it was, it's certainly one of the highlights of something I got framed at my house. And, uh, I tell you, it was, uh, it, it just, just a, just a gracious guy. And, uh, what a, what a, just what an icon for racing. Yeah, you know, that's one of those things. With all the things that we've accomplished and all the things we've done uh, here at our track, uh, you know, I'm always calling my mom. She's 72 years old, and I'm telling her the stories about the things that we're doing. And she always, uh, when, if I ever tell her that I had a conversation with Richard Petty or John Force, that's the only time she's ever impressed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that kind of tells you she's not really that much of a racing fan. But, man, she, she knows John Force and she knows Richard Petty. Yeah, too. And, you know, 
Two. Yeah, so having him here that week, yeah, that really it's gonna that kind of gives me some uh, street cred with my mom, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's really funny about that is uh, that's two. And I felt this way with Richard Petty when I talked to him. Is like he, they, they, him and John Force both make you feel like you're the only guy in the world that they want to talk to. Oh yeah, and they're you know just incredible, incredible guys, and uh, both of them big supporters of what we're doing here at the racetracks. So I've been very fortunate. If there's one thing, you know, for me, it's uh, it's like you know you get to uh, be involved and have these conversations with the guys that you looked up to when you were a kid. Uh, it's almost there's times I just keep expecting to wake up from this dream that I, I just it's hard to believe that uh, we've been able to come so far and do so many great things in this sport which I you know I love this sport and to to see this happen it, it's really special to me absolutely well uh, Chris so tell us real quick I know there are tickets still available uh, some VIP stuff as well where can folks get tickets tell me what you got going on yeah you can go to wwtraceway.com to get your tickets and they are going fast. Uh, the front stretch grandstands that they're I think they're sold out now. Turns one and two, they're filling up rapidly. You know, Saturday is an action-packed day. Lots of tickets for Saturday remain. But you know, the great thing about this, we have the infield fan experience, the pre-race packages, uh, the concerts, and everything that's going on. You know, come on out, take it all in, buy those upgrades, and get get out there and really walk around and just, and just see everything that NASCAR has to offer and everything that we're doing here with the Confluence Music Festival. Uh, it, it's great, even if you're not a race fan, just being there for this event. It's a historical day in our region, and we want everyone to uh, you know, be part of it, at least at some point through the weekend. Well, between you and Curtis, I know you guys always put on a fantastic show, no matter what uh, what event you guys have there, whether it was big-time racing or the carts or anything else that you guys have there, any other events that come. You guys always just roll out the red carpet. You're, you guys are so gracious, uh, especially the folks here in St. Louis and the Metro East. Uh, I mean, we, we just love our hometown track. Well, that's the great thing about it. You know, Curtis was born and raised here. You know, one of his fondest memories was seeing Evil Knievel there back in 1972. And this track is special to him. This town is special to him. And every one of our employees, uh, he, he emphasizes that this is a part of a bigger cause. This isn't just having a race. This is doing something special for our community. And he... Uh, you know, he's that's what won me over and made me call this home is seeing Curtis's passion. Uh, and this is a guy who can revolutionize uh, racing. Uh, he's making huge change here in what we're doing in the Metro East and for St. Louis as a whole. And it's just great to see local sports ownership really succeeding. So that's one thing we've got that's really, really special. This is a guy who lives here. And, uh, you know, the money's not going somewhere else. It's going back into this community. And that's the great thing about Curtis and the great thing about working for Curtis. Well, Chris, again, thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you next weekend. All right. We're looking forward to it. The days are ticking. That's right. That's for sure. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, man. All right. We'll talk to you later. That's our good friend Curtis Blair, or not Curtis Blair, Chris Blair over at uh, Worldwide Technology Raceways, Executive Vice President and General Manager. And, folks, i got to tell you what, go see the NASCAR race. It's going to be fantastic. They're going to put on a great show for you. You're going to have a lot of fun. If you can get there, go over to, to uh, Tri-City, watch the dirt race. It's going to be a, uh, uh, just, it's going to be a great weekend all the way around. This is the KMO, uh, I almost said KMOX Auto Show. This is KMOX is at your service. My name is Greg Damon. Stick around. We got more to come. Welcome back to KMOX is at your service. Final segment here on a Wednesday night. Greg Damon hanging out in the big chair tonight. Uh, we're going all the way till 10 o'clock. Well, we're going to kind of change it up a little bit. Folks, if you are not watching the hockey game, Blues just tied it up 3-3, by the way. So uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed when we get it back to St. Louis. 
Well, up next on the program, our good friend David Scharf. He is uh, from host of the Winning Ticket, and uh, he's been kind enough to join us here in studio hanging out with us. David, how's it going, man? Man, I love coming in studio with you, Greg. <laughs> man, it's so much fun. we got to get you some other uh, goals in life or other hobbies or something. Absolutely man. not, man. I, and when, you, when you give me the text or the phone call to come on, man, I just can't wait to do it. Well, obviously the winning ticket, uh, you guys talk a lot about uh, gambling, sports gambling, things like that. You're yeah. also an, uh, a rabid, rabid horse guy. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the Preakness that just happened and also the Kentucky Derby. We really have not... Uh, we really have not talked much about that, and Colorado just scored, so... Oh, man. Ugh. Oh, well. Ugh. Anyway... <laughs> So let's <laughs> let's talk a little bit. Let's shift our focus to the uh, let's shift our focus to the uh, Kentucky Derby. Man, yeah. the long shot won. Nobody ever predicted this horse that uh, barely got into the race as well. Yeah, uh, with the scratch of Ethereal Road. Uh, yeah, it allowed uh, Rich Strike to get in, and you know, like like I said, anything's possible. You got to be in it to win. Sure, it, exactly. Right? Uh, and I, it really is a horse like that needed the fastest fractions and the fractions are the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, uh, fastest fractions in history for that to happen up front for him to come from behind and, and get up and win. So everything perfect had to happen. The ride was one of the most amazing Kentucky Derby rides uh, of all time uh, by a no name jockey that you wouldn't know that I do know because he's on the B circuit. Well, that's, that's uh, what and, I was going to say. It, so he also had a jockey that wasn't a top, top notch. Top, I shouldn't say top notch, top level jockey. Yeah, well, he is top level on the B circuit. I mean, he's he's really good at where he, where he races at. Right. So, uh, yeah, it was a fearless ride. So everything perfect had to happen for that horse to win, but he won. He showed up. He showed up on the day it counted. Yeah, that jockey's uh, pay scale just went up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, was it? Uh, he made about one hundred sixty thousand dollars for you know two and a half minutes. So you know, two, well, minutes, know, two minutes, a little over. Two but when minutes. you go to when he goes to ride other horses, you can be like, oh, yeah. By the way. Yeah, well, he already went to back to his uh, regular track in Ohio, and uh, I'm sure he had a nice welcoming, and he's back to uh, winning races back there. I, I, I've been keeping track ever since just to see how he's been doing, and uh, yeah, he's crushing it back uh, back at his home track. So uh, now let's move on to the Preakness. Obviously, uh, <laughs> the Kentucky Derby winner, this is a little amazing to me. Obviously, I don't follow horse racing like you, but yeah. Kentucky Derby winner says, hey, we're not racing the Preakness. We're going to hold off, and we're going to race the Belmont. So, Greg, there's many factors that go into why this ho- this particular horse didn't run in the Preakness. Uh, number one is uh, in the Preakness is uh, it's a speed favoring track, right? At Pimlico is a speed favoring track, and you're 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 asking for those the fastest fractions in history and the horse to come behind on a speed favoring track. Uh, the second thing is mainly is is two weeks away, so uh, two weeks for a horse that just ran the best race of his life to come back in two weeks and do it again, highly unlikely. The horse obviously needed some rest, uh, and they decided to just wait for the Belmont. It, it it doesn't happen very often. Usually the Derby winner goes on to the Preakness to try for the Triple Crown, but right. in this instance, uh, they knew that they were up against it, and his best shot is to wait for the Belmont. Okay, and uh, obviously at the Preakness race, very, very hot this year. Do you think that had an effect on anything? Oh, sure. I mean, some horses it doesn't it doesn't bother as, as much as others. And as a handicapper, I mean, you don't know. You don't know unless you, you're on the inside. You don't know how the horses react under certain weather weather conditions. But, yeah, um, it's just it's a, it's a factor that uh, it's an unknown, right? Uh, 
the horse that won early voting, I mean, what a great ride. And once again, it came down to the ride. I, I threw this horse out uh, because I thought he would get in a speed battle and quit. Well, jockey, one of the best jockeys in the world, took him back off the speed, and he was the first one to take the lead at the top of the stretch, and nobody could catch him. Uh, also, other factors came into play. Epicenter, uh, probably the best three-year-old that there is, has now run second in both the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. Uh, got a little pinch back at the start, a little hindrance at the start, so uh, didn't get great position, came on to lose by a couple lengths. I honestly don't know if that cost him the race, but I, it would have been a lot closer. Um, uh, two things I want to get back to about being hot. It was the first time I've ever seen to where here's the horse on the cool down and all of a sudden the, uh, the trainers or the groomers run out with uh, sponges and water and they're like just wiping the horse down, try, I guess trying to cool him down. Yeah, that, I mean on hot days, uh, I mean that it happens just across the river at, at FanDuel. Yeah, that's what they do. They, you know, they get the horses, uh, you know, in cool water as soon as they can. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of amazing for me. I've never seen it happen on the track like that before. But uh, Yeah, they're hot. You know, I mean, yeah, they're absolutely hot. they got to cool them down. I, I think uh, it's kind of an interesting. So, you know, since I've met you, I've been following horse racing a little bit more, not like you, just the big races. Um, you were talking about uh, being a hindrance and things like that. Uh, it was something that I never really paid attention to. Uh, but when these horses are running, I mean, these jockeys are jockeying for position. They're trying to... I don't want to say cut the other horse off, but they're trying to get to the inside, trying to make it the shortest possible uh, lap around as well. Yeah, or they do take the horse to the outside where it's clear. Uh, they'll know right away, if, especially if they've never ridden the horse. A lot of these guys have ridden these horses before, but they call it kickback, the dirt coming from the front. Uh, they'll know right away if a horse doesn't like the kickback, and they'll try to move them into a position where they're not taking as much or zero kickback to the outside. So you're almost at a benefit. Yes, you want to save ground. That's the best way to go. But if your horse doesn't like the kickback and is, is not running, you, you got to get him to the outside where he's clear. He might lose a little ground, but he's going to run faster if the dirt's not hitting him in the face. So you just brought up a great point that I never knew, but you said uh, these jockeys, some of the jockeys have ridden the horses before. There are jockeys that have not ridden them before? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. Like they just show up on that day and ride them in that race, or they practice with them? Or? I mean, it's, it's most of the time when you get to these bigger races, if they've never ridden them in a race before, they will fly in just to work these horses out so they can get a feel for the horse okay. uh, before the race. Okay. That, well, I mean, that makes more sense than, yeah. like, you know, just flying in and, like, riding the horse during the race when somebody else has ridden them in practice and everything else. I mean, I, I guess you kind of have to know the horse, whether he's a, you know, a late finisher or, you know, if you want to go out from the gate fast or... or... So I'll tell you how, that, how it works. Uh, believe it or not, most, most jockeys read the racing form. Just like I do. Okay. They've got the same information uh, as just like I do. So they try to handicap the race when, and they read the racing form for what position they believe where they should be and where they think they should be and where they and then they can throw that all the all that out the window once the gates open because it always goes to Plan B, Plan C. It barely ever goes how they think it's going to go. Now, do they the jockeys get information from the trainer like, hey, we think that the horse is going to do this and maybe follow this kind of pattern? Yeah. So it, <laughs> trainers like. I'll give you, for instance, the, the Kentucky Derby winner this year. Uh, he didn't give the jockey instructions. You know, he just let him go run his race. But for the most part, uh, these high-line trainers will – or a lot of trainers will try to give instructions to the jockey. Well, that's great and everything, but they're not the one riding the horse. Right. And the jockeys that I've interviewed, you know, they tell me it's uh, – you can pretty much throw that out the window once the gate's open. If your horse doesn't break good, that plan is out the window. So you got to have plan, you know, B, C, and D. 
and sometimes even go farther, you know, farther than that. It's amazing that uh, getting into it and kind of watching it, man, these horses, I mean, they want to run. They want to race. Yeah. And you can see it in the horse that that's, you know, they know it's time to perform and they want to get up on it. Yeah, and the ones that don't, uh, they don't last on the track very very often. There are a few that just refuse to run and they, they're, they don't do what they're supposed to do. But, yeah, for the most that's part. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> these, hor- these horses want, they, they love it. They actually love the competition, especially if you've ever seen two horses down the stretch going head and head. They they want to beat each other. Yeah, they love it. That's a, that's a, that's just a great fact. Uh, Preakness also, uh, man, like the fans were amazing. Sixty thousand fans at the Preakness race. Uh, I think that's almost a record. Yeah, and I tell you what's going to even be neat, uh, neater is when uh, they're going to do a total remodel of Pimlico. Pimlico is really beat up. Uh, the stands, the the whole facility is kind of deteriorating, and they're going to be putting uh, the owners are going to be putting a lot of money into this facility. And I'm curious to see uh, what it's like when they're done with it in a couple years. Have you ever been to Pimlico? I have not. I have not. And I uh, when they when they finish uh, their their remodeling, I, I hope to make it up there. Um, let's see here. Uh, now uh, I want to talk. We we had kind of talked about this previously. Uh, and, and the reason I bring this up is because uh, because of early voting. Um, talk about a claim race. Okay. This, this is something that uh, it, it was when I heard really kind of uh, kind of crazy to me. And uh, by the way, the Blues just tied it up four four. That is un- I be- I'm unbelievable, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where has this been? Where where has this been? I mean, I, I want to. The blues. Where's this been? Well, I know, but it's the it's also the play not to get off the horse racing, but it's also the players that really haven't performed. Robert Thomas, Tarasenko, Buchnevich, you know, are are coming to play tonight. Yeah, I I tell you what, down three nothing. I I wasn't even looking at it. Right, three one. You you get that little false hope, right? <laughs> and then three two. You're like, oh god, come on, one time, man. All right, so hold this hold this claim race. We're gonna we're gonna do that after the break. All right. Hey, you're listening to the KMUX is at your service. We're going to take a quick break. More conversation with David Scharf coming up. Stick around. Welcome back, everyone. 9.50 is your time right here in the heart of mid-America. And, uh, David, you're my heartbreaker, just like Pat Benatar there. Uh, David Scharf from the winning ticket. Heartbreaker. (laughs) That's right. From the winning ticket uh, joins us here, hosts the winning ticket, joins us on uh, KMUX, talking a little horse racing and stuff. Uh, So I asked you a question before we went to uh, break about a claim race. And this is something that was really kind of, uh, I, I was kind of, uh, didn't understand it, you know, that you can buy a horse watching it race. So there's several ways to buy a horse. But after the horses start racing, uh, usually the lower horses that aren't stakes horses, that aren't allowance horses, allowance meaning they're not allowed to be bought during a race. So the lower level horses, and there's some really good claiming races, $100,000 claiming races. You can put in a claim as an owner or a trainer and buy the horse, but you get the horse after the race. So if you put in a claim for a horse, let's say you're the only one that puts in a claim, could be several people. We'll go with one person who puts in a claim. The horse wins. The owner of the horse that has owned it before it raced will get the money. You get the horse after the race. You have no rights to the horse till after the race. Okay. So then you own the horse. So uh, it's called the claiming game. You know, a lot of lot of trainers, uh, even the trainer of the uh, of the Kentucky Derby plays the claiming game. 
you know, a lot of trainers and owners claim off uh, claim off each other. I, I think one of the most famous horses, Seabiscuit, I believe, was uh, in a claim race. And, yeah, and, some and, cheap claiming races. Yeah, yeah, until he got turned around. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm assuming that I mean this is <laughs> this obviously happens a lot, and they find uh, talent in the lower pool. I guess. It is so unbelievable how uh, some trainers that they're just they see something in a horse that another trainer or owner do not see, and they will pay the money for the horse and these horses can turn into unbelievable animals and make them a lot of money. It doesn't well, happen all the time, but yeah. I mean, obviously they make money in the races, but really where their big money comes is after his racing career and they go to stud and, and things like that. Yeah. the stud. Now, when we talk about stud, not too many claimers make a lot in the stud game. I mean, unless they were, you know, you had 20 starts and 50, sure. 15 wins. I mean, then, then they're going to make a little money. But for the most part, most of these horses, even the bottom-level horses, come from somewhat of a decent lineage. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, trainers. We're we'll talk about Dean Wayne Lucas. Yeah, he was featured uh, prominently on the uh, on the Preakness telecast. Yeah, uh, and uh, I something I really didn't pay attention to or really didn't think about, but he had a mare that was running in the uh, in the race. And, so in the Kentucky Oaks, in the Kentucky Oaks, the it's the female Kentucky Derby. Okay. So it's all it's all for fillies. It's the day before the Kentucky Derby. Secret Oath, who was scheduled to, if she had won the Arkansas Derby, may or may not have gone on to the Kentucky Derby run against the boys. But they chose to run her in the Kentucky Oaks, and she won. Uh, she was dominant. Uh, she didn't win by a lot, but she was uh, very wide all the way around, circled the field, and uh, she. it was an incredible race for her. And what was even more incredible is that was my pick. <laughs> so, so it, no, it was nice to see. It was nice to see, you know, sometimes as a handicapper, you, you think something might happen, and, and it happened to be that day that it did. So, so it, it, as, as far as a handicapper, do I mean, you take that in consideration? I mean, do, you know, uh, I guess Phillies, you know, they haven't had babies yet. So uh, is Phillies run slower than, uh, you know, well, so buildings or so let's let's talk a little bit okay. about this. Okay, we got about two minutes. Yeah. Okay. So I'll make this quick. So over in Europe, Phillies run against the boys all the time, and when you're, most of those races over there, uh, anywhere other than the United States, it's turf racing most of the time. Yeah. And you talk about the girls against the boys; they're pretty pretty close to equal uh, okay. when it comes to turf racing. But in here in America, we do mostly we do run on grass, but most of the racing is done on dirt. And we're we're talking about dirt racing. It, it is a little disadvantage for the, the Phillies to run against the boys. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. So as a handicapper, I guess that's uh, that's good. You know, good information for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does happen. I mean, Phillies do run against the boys here, but uh, when they do it, uh, the trainer and owner are confident that they can win. Okay. So getting back to D. Wayne Lucas. Yeah. Uh, talking about you know obviously had the uh, Philly in in the race. But he had a horse that scratched, which allowed the winner to get into the race. That is correct. So he had Ethereal Road, the 20 horse, scratch, which allowed uh, Rich Strike to get in and win the Kentucky Derby. They scratched the horse to run on Preakness Day, which on the undercard of the Preakness to run in the Sir Barton, and Ethereal Road dominated that race. So he did uh, scratch out of the Kentucky Derby, which is a $3 million race. I believe it was a $300,000 race that he won. Uh, so the prize is a little less, but the horse dominated and won. So very neat for D. Wayne Lucas to win the Oaks and the Sir Barton. Now, does that mean that – how would he have fared in the Kentucky Derby? 
I mean, I, obviously all the factors as well, but how would that, how would that horse have fared? I think they knew they scratched the, they scratched the horse. He'd been running uh, way too many races in a short amount of time, and I, I think they knew that the horse didn't have a, much of a shot to win. They, that's why they scratched him and, and put him in a race in a spot where they thought they had a great chance of winning, and they did. Okay, we've got about a minute left, so let's talk a little about the Belmont coming up. Yeah. And uh, what horses are going to be in there? I guess what's, uh, what's, your, what's your favorite so far? Well, the only two that I know for sure is the Kentucky Derby win Rich Strike will be in the race. Uh, Mo Donegal, uh, Mo Donegal, who uh, won the Wood Memorial, uh, he will be in there, and he will probably be the morning line favorite as of right now. Uh, so th- they haven't really come out with the field. It's a little bit early. Uh, okay. I think next week we'll, we'll know a lot more. Uh, mile and a half, once again, these three-year-olds have never run this far, so it's really, really hard to, to handicap. Uh, I am predicting that the winner of the Kentucky Derby is highly unlikely to win this race. Okay. It, yeah. You so, heard it. You heard it here from yeah. David Sharp. All right, David, real quick. Uh, we're almost out of time. Where can folks hear your podcast? Uh, the winning ticket 21.com. It gives you all the information you need on how to listen to us. We're also on YouTube. You can find that out on the winning ticket 21.com. All right. That's David Sharp. My name is Greg Damon. Folks, I want to thank you so much for uh, listening to our show tonight here on KMOX's at your service. Uh, I had a great time listening. I hope you did as well. Hey, Be nice to each other out there, my friends. Be nice to each other. Be courteous. And we'll see you next time. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.